Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of The Movies, a self-explanatory podcast. My name is Daniel Berrios, and today I shall be talking about All Quiet on the Western Front. What up, buddies? Uh, didn't mention this on the last episode, Women Talking, but this is part of the Best Picture Showcase, or the Daniel Talks About the Best Picture nominees. And this is number seven of ten. I got three more to go after this, so super excited. If you haven't listened to the other reviews, they are available on the list in the podcast. Uh, I guess I've done Banshees of Inisherin, Tar, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun Maverick, Elvis, and Women Talking. After All Quiet, I'm going to have The Fablemans, Avatar 2, and... I am totally blanking. Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness to wrap up this uh, little mini-series that I'm doing. And talking to, to talking about these movies that you might not have watched or heard or thought of in just like a regular fucking way, man. Like I don't want to blow too much smoke of everybody's ass if I don't need to. But uh, these movies, I do think the Oscars... While they don't pick my favorite movies of the year, they pick movies that are worth watching. And I really think they're worth watching for you, too. And thankfully, this one is one that's readily available to, I think, most of you. It's a Netflix film. It is also in German. And look, Bong Joon-ho said it best. There's so much to discover and be wowed by if you can just get past the one-inch barrier of subtitles. I'm a subtitle guy. I like just, you know, knowing the words, like exactly what the words are. Maybe it's because I have shitty hearing. Maybe it's because I really like writing and the written words. So I kind of like to see the screenplay as the movie's going on, if that makes any sense. But I don't know. Subtitles has never really bothered me. This movie has a specific reason for being in German. The original novel was written by a German about the war in 1917 about a German soldier who many, if you've been in an American history class, are going to tell you that, yeah, maybe the Germans weren't good guys in the First World War, and maybe uh, we probably they probably shouldn't have done that. And this movie kind of goes like, yeah, we're Germans, and uh, we were the bad guys, and maybe we shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but a lot of what this movie talks about is pretty relevant to today. Uh, it's about this kid named Paul played by, I'm going to fuck up some names, I'm so sorry, uh, Felix Kammerer, who is like 17, he's graduating uh, high school or college or whatever, he's just getting into the military. And this go this kid goes in with all the idealism of the world. There's this big opening scene where this uh, big army guy is like, you are doing this for the glory of Germany! And you will come home heroes, and you will march in Paris, and you will be, like, one step closer to God. Like, he's really going, like, you think the fucking U.S. Army commercials are blowing smoke up 
a military lover's asshole. This is straight up uh, propaganda at its finest. This dude is giving the most rousing speech in the world. Like I can only imagine like if Tom Cruise walked into a room excited about something and would convince motherfuckers to join Scientology. This is kind of what this dude is doing. He's this convinced that he's trying to convince these motherfuckers that like, yeah, going off to war and fighting in the Western front of the battle is like the most imperative thing to Germany's long-term success and glory. And this kid's like, fuck yeah, I want to go. And then the rest of the movie is about two hours and 20 minutes of him realizing that that was a horrible fucking mistake. Uh, in some ways, there really isn't any glory in this. And while the movie is shot in ways that do celebrate, uh, I guess, great photography and visual effects and you know the formal parts of this movie are top fucking notch but there's really no glory in the action of war like paul's not out here with a pistol just like gunning fools like he's on battlefield no this movie has a really tempered approach to how it deals with battles a lot of it is just kind of like dropping this kid in the middle of these trenches. And, you know, you could say that there's technically a plan. You could say that, you know, this isn't even like a battle of civilization. At least in civilization, you can do like, like strategy and you can move flanks here and there. Now, it's basically like fucking dropping a magnifying glass with like, you know, when you used to. You know, if you were a shitty kid, you'd grab a magnifying glass and you'd hold it up to the sun. And you'd just like fry ants and watch them run around in chaos. That's pretty much it. So it borrows a little bit from like Chris Nolan's Dunkirk in that sense where there'd be the shot of like Fionn Whitehead with his head in the sand. Just like basically doing the duck and cover and praying to God that he doesn't get murdered. That's pretty much that's pretty much a uh, Paul but he's running around in a trench trying not to get shot and or stabbed and bayoneted. And now, which according to this time is a new weapon, like you ever play Call of Duty? I'm going to do a lot of these references. You ever do Call of Duty and you get a good kill strike and then you get the ability like, oh, flamethrower unlocked. And then suddenly, if you're looking at this from your other player's point of views, they see this flamethrower and just go, what the fuck is, that's a thing? They that, that motherfucker launched fire at me. I mean, have you ever, have you ever touched a stove for like a little bit too long? Like half a second too long? That already burns like a motherfucker. But now humans have just had the ability of like taking fire and launching it. We throw it at people now with the press of a button. Holy shit. Or, wow. We used to have guns that you could maybe shoot like two, three times before you have to reload it with pellets and shit. No, now they just have this thing that has like a little belt and you just fucking feed it through and it goes, da, 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 da. where the fuck did they come up with that? Machine gun. Wait, what's that gas doing? Mustard gas? That sounds delicious. <laughs> Are you serious? So... On top of already how hard it is to survive a fucking war, there's the technological advances. Oh, I didn't even mention that there are tanks now. 
And of course, to you in the year of our Lord 2023, this sounds like obvious shit. Like, well, no duh, Daniel. We've had these forever. But you gotta put them put yourselves in the, this kid's point of view. He's never seen shit like this before. He didn't know shit like this could really occur. And now he's like face to face with a fucking tank and has to figure out how to survive that bullshit. And that's pretty much it. It's all survive until the next day. And the breaks in between this war are not filled with conversations of like, you know, what we're fighting for back home or we've got to, you know, or I'm disillusioned by the war, man. This, uh, it, it's not hokey dialogue. It's not dialogue that's talking about the themes. Really, a lot of this movie is just about the malaise of being in war. You know, when you're not actually fighting, people are just bored. They're bored. They're sitting around. They're shooting the shit. The most exciting thing that happens off war is them trying to steal a fucking goose so they can, you know, cook it and eat eggs and shit. <laughs> like, this is a, these are guys whose meals consist of like stale ass bread and what can only be constituted as slop. And suddenly a, a stolen goose is like a fucking, you know, Salt Bay steak dinner, you know? And that's how fucking boring war is. And then I find myself sitting in those moments like, really, what are they doing this for? Like, why are we even here? Why did, why can't they just go home? Like, why can't war just be like, whenever you decide to, I don't know, you hang out with your buddies and you're like, yeah, we're going to play football at this time in this field tomorrow. And then whoever wins, wins. Like, why can't war be like that all the time? Like, if you're really that angry at a motherfucker, why can't you just, like, send some folks to duke it out on a field and whoever wins the battle wins the day and then, you know, that's how war ends. But no, they're just sitting out there dicking around and you're just like, okay. So you're telling me they can't just go home and be with their families and then come back to fight it out later? Like, that's the kind of feeling that you get. There's this pointlessness that comes across with the war that I just, you know, I felt that more than ever with this kind of movie. And I felt more now, maybe it's because I'm almost 30, but seeing these, uh, it starts out really as a, a group of four friends go to the war for the first time. This is really the first time in my mind that like the kids in the movie genuinely look like kids to me. Like, even, even, like, fucking Harry Styles in Dunkirk looks, like, my age. But, like, now I'm removed enough to where I'm like, oh, these are just boys. Like, I remember what I was like at 18, and I would not be able to fucking handle it. And, of course, now 18-year-olds are fucking jacked on testosterone. They look like The Rock. But, you know, back, like, I look at these kids specifically, I'm like, oh, what are you doing? Like, you know nothing of the world. You know nothing of what you're really fighting for and about. You know, there's this uh, character who reminds me most of me. Uh, I think it's the Katsinski, who's played by Albrecht uh, Skutsch. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Mr. Skutsch. But... Uh, He's been there for longer than Paul, and he's already got this sort of like, man, fuck this energy. 
it's so much like I don't give a fuck. I'm just trying to live to the next day. If I live to the next day, cool. If I don't, well, I'm in a hellhole where everybody's dying around me anyway, so fuck it. And just smoking, not giving a good damn about anything. Between this and Michelle McClode and Women Talking, two episodes featuring characters who are thoroughly sick of bullshit and ready to smoke about it. Super funny in that regard. Two movies that are not really good as a double feature together, unless you want to be really sad by the end of it. But uh, I sort of, uh, I sort of appreciated that sort of like world weary understanding that, like, look, all we're doing is just fighting politicians, of politicians skirmishes. You know, why don't presidents fight the war? Why do they only send the poor? That kind of thing. Uh, and one of the things that Berger does really well is when he highlights the war, uh, the war hawks, the generals that refuse to accept that Germany is really losing the war and they need to they need to stop because they're going to die. There's so many Germans are going to die in the Western Front like they really need to stop fighting. So this intermix of like the war hawks with the committee trying to do an armistice led by Daniel Bruhl that are on the one hand trying to end the bloodshed so be as humble as you can to get the bloodshed to stop but also at the same time they want to make sure that there's a germany to come back to so that weird sort of struggle of realizing that you've lost or you're about to lose and coming home with your tail tucked between your legs but also making sure that you have a foundation to rebuild your country and your pride and your nation upon and this is before the hitler thing so i find myself thinking that they're really thinking about this like oh we thoroughly fucked this but we need to make sure excuse me yawning uh, first and foremost we need to figure out how to get our country back on track so these conversations where they're negotiating with uh, other generals is just fascinating. Uh, Berger does this really cool thing with the Warhawks where he just highlights them against this huge, like they are in shadow, but only because there's this huge amount of natural light that sort of washes them out. And it is such like a glamorous anti, uh, it's sort of the anti-propaganda shot. Like, there is no glory in the figure that's standing there, but you can tell that they're trying to. They just completely fucked it. The light is not bouncing on the subject. It's bouncing away from them to show their morality and how fucking skewed and perverted uh, they've become, basically. They've perverted the natural order. Or I guess, yeah, I guess it's... Is war a natural thing for all of us? I guess it is. But it really just does corrupt the soul. And destroys it. Now, one of the best scenes in this movie is watching Paul having to deal with murder for the first time and seeing it outside of the context of, oh, this is my enemy, this is my bad guy, I need to, this is my mission, so to speak. When he removes himself from that and really creates this human connection with the first person he's murdered, that is a masterclass in fucking acting right there. And, you know, the makeup on his face, the dirt that's just caked on there and crackling under his skin, the blood, some of it his, some of it not. 
It's really, for one, really stellar makeup work. And I understand why, if we are going to indulge me talking about Oscars, this had, I think, the second most nominations of the day. I think it had 10 nominations total. Uh, if I want to remember, it's, I think it's adapted screenplay. I'm probably wrong on that. Uh, direct, not director. Burger didn't get director. Uh, I think it got cinematography, sound, makeup production design like all the big techie things this movie got because it really does kind of teleport you back into 1917 and kind of get you to this movie kind of lives and breathes by making sure that you feel like you're in the trenches with this kid and not in a 1917 way where i think 1917 was about necessarily that that one shot idea sort of like this is the odyssey the marathon of hell as opposed to this one where this is just the disillusionment and uh, the breaking of innocence via war. And the movie doesn't need to go through a marathon to show that. It just shows the marathon through uh, Cameron's face, which gets more and more gaunt and more and more lifeless in some ways. But he's also like clamoring for just a little bit of hope and a little bit of peace even the way I think they talk about it, Cameron has this look on his face like he never really believes uh, anybody who tells him that the war is ending or that peace is coming, which is uh, it's kind of fascinating in its own regard. How quickly one can sort of lose their innocence and their hope and any glamour, delusions of grandeur that they could have had before. How quickly war strips that from you. And yeah, it's fucking brutal. The, the gore does not let up. This isn't really, this isn't a Mel Gibson movie. Like the gore isn't so ridiculous that you'll think like he's just challenging the special effects guys to see what crazy shit they can get away with. But there is some very fucking gnarly violence that happens in this. And it's just, God, after a while, it, it becomes a lot. Like it's kind of punishing in that sense. And my fucking wife at the very end of the movie ends up making a joke, a fucking Fortnite joke of all things. And I just have to sit there and laugh in my hands as like two and a half hours of trauma I've just endured. And my wife has like boiled it down to a Fortnite joke. And I'm like, oh my God, why? (laughs) Why, dear God, why do we do this to each other? It also presents a weird dichotomy of like when we make more war movies, is that going to placate the Call of Duty crowd or is there still like uh, an understanding of like that distance of reality? Well, can war as we get more examples and more realistic looking examples that are entertainment, that are movies, that are stories, is there still room for people to be really disturbed by the thoughts behind it? And I think Berger has a really good grasp on it by placing a lot of the malaise of war within the movie and also these performances who are just like an endurance test of like what these guys can take before some of them just collapse and some of them, you know, truck on to talk about it another day. So do I like it as much as recent examples that I've mentioned, Dunkirk 1917? Not necessarily. I think I'm more in the and i don't know if it's because i watched it at home first 
Although, no, because I watched 1917 at home for the first time, and it still really got me. I don't know. Maybe I'm more into, like, the flashier style direction. Maybe I just saw those things first, and so the things that come afterwards have to really distinguish themselves in my mind to stand out. But I think if you're not a big fan of horror movies, this is a good one to kind of get into regardless. I think the details within the storytelling, within the way the characters talk when they're not fighting. I think that is more stuff to chew on than just the formal exercises of like 1917 and Dunkirk, Dunkirk being the editing, 1917 being also editing, but also the one trick cinematography. Those are gimmicks. And in this one, I don't think there's as many gimmicks to hang someone's hat on. So yeah, I think all quiet on the Western front is a solid flick. If you haven't seen it, it is on Netflix subtitles, Put it on. Uh, get yourself a good, like, comfort food, blankets. You know, make sure you're you're okay before going to see it because it, it can be a really heavy one. But it's a really good movie to watch. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to another episode of The Movies. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can do so at the movies underscore pod. Instagram at the movies pod. Letterboxd in the link in the description. If you are listening on Spotify, please rate the show. I would love to get more ratings on that show, kind of boost this bad boy. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please review the show. If you write a review, I will read it. Simple as that. Also rate the show, but review the show on Apple Podcasts. And until next time, I'm going to leave you with the song I was thinking about earlier in the episode. This is from System of a Down. It's called BYOB Fuck War. Y'all take care. Till next time.